how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're vital. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome back to the show. In this episode, I sat down with Amber Williams. Amber is a screenwriter, fellow podcaster, founder and creative director of Whirly Bird Productions. On the film finance and distribution podcast, she deep dives into the business backbone of the cinematic world, engaging in insightful conversations with accomplished filmmakers, seasonal entertainment lawyers, and industry insiders. Her goal is to demystify the complex realm of film finance and distribution, equipping the next generation of filmmakers, producers, and cinema enthusiasts with knowledge and success stories, safe working practices, script acquisition startups, and more. You can listen to her podcast over at whirlybirdproductions.com slash podcast. Here is my conversation with Amber Williams. My dad always loved films, and he wrote plays for Radio 4, so I think that planted the seed initially. I was always good at writing at school, but then I took a break from it. And it wasn't really until I became a film journalist later in life that I took up writing again. At that time, I was watching a lot of independent films and short films as well. And I became really interested in storytelling and screenwriting. So I taught myself how to write screenplays. Why start the podcast? Why did you feel like you had to be the one to kind of shine a light for people? So I didn't like the fact that indie filmmakers were oftentimes being forced to sign unfavorable distribution contracts and that they weren't aware of all the methods and resources out there to help them with things like marketing and funding and distribution. That knowledge gap was really having a detrimental effect on their careers, which is really heartbreaking because these are passion projects. People put their heart and their soul into these pieces of work. So much of the business side of the film industry is hidden behind a veil, but there are plenty of industry professionals who are willing and who want to talk about the financial side of it. So I built a platform to close the knowledge gap. I think one of the major problems as well, which is exactly where the podcast was born from, is that film finance and distribution, sales, marketing, it's not taught a lot of the time at film and university on these filmmaking courses. So you learn the practical side of filmmaking, but you're not taught the business side. So you leave, you know, you leave these institutions and you make your film and then you, you don't know what to do with it. The Film Finance and Distribution podcast aims to close that gap that indie filmmakers can have on the business side of the film industry. So we do that by interviewing accomplished filmmakers, entertainment lawyers, and industry professionals. What are some of the misconceptions your your listeners or people um, have, film, young filmmakers have about finance and distribution? Do they, are they looking for crowdfunding? Do they think that they're going to find someone to kind of magically, you know, solve all the problems for them? What are some of those commonalities? I think they don't think too much about it beforehand. I was speaking recently with Geraldine Maloney from the Film Distributors Association. And one of her best pieces of advice was to think about distribution before you even, you know, get a script or write a script. Like, what is your audience? Who are your audience? Is there an audience out there for your film? So I think filmmakers 
think about distribution right at the end. And then they kind of panic and wonder how to get distribution. You really need to do your research beforehand. I think maybe they think it's going to be easy as well. And it's not, it's very difficult. She also said one of the major things that filmmakers don't consider or put enough thought into is the photography of their films. So the stills photography, Hmm. they said, you need to use a professional photographer. You need to be very high quality because that's part of the marketing and the distribution companies don't have the budget for that necessarily. And it's kind of the last thing they think about when it comes to the budget. And these stills are used throughout your entire marketing campaign. So they need to be extremely high quality and not realizing what information should be in a distribution contracts and that you should be getting an entertainment lawyer to look over it. Are you seeing any ways that that creatives are kind of like fighting back? Like I know, obviously, she's one of the most famous people on the planet right now, but Taylor Swift famously didn't work with Hollywood. She went straight to distribution for her new, you know, um, tour movie type film she did. Anything like that where like regular people can kind of bypass any of these problems? The first episode I did was with Marcus Marku and he self-distributed his film, his debut feature, Papadopoulos and Sons. And he did that extremely well. And he's just done it with another feature film as well. Um, And that's been successful. It does take a lot of time and a lot of effort. And it has been done with Mark Toyer, did it in... Australia. He did work with a marketing company before. And Marcus Marku is a businessman, so he did have funds of his own. But it can be done. It is possible to take it into your own hands and self-distribute your film. You need to do a lot of research. Our new host, Helen Kirsten, she's a documentary filmmaker, um, interviewed the filmmaker Claire Carhill. And they talked a lot about taking back control over your career as a filmmaker. She delves into film funding and examines the effectiveness of crowdfunding in building an audience base and how to revolutionize virtual production to make it more affordable for indie filmmakers. And that was really interesting. That's a project that she's working on at the moment with her company, Compass Mentors Productions. It seems like it's kind of moving in the way, like I'm maybe more familiar with book publishing and and obviously it's way cheaper to publish books, but it seems like an approach with that would be that you try to find a traditional publisher, but if you can't, you can go on a self-publishing route. Do you see like an equivalent to that where you can kind of go both ways? Like it really seems like filmmakers need to understand quite a bit of marketing, whichever route they choose though. If you were to go market your own documentary now, how might you kind of start? What are some steps that people may normally skip over? Make sure you have a standout trailer for your film and make sure you have them varying in length. It really needs to grab your audience within the first few seconds and you need them of different lengths so that you can use them on different platforms. Make sure you have a film website as well and use those professionally shot film stills that you have. Then you can roll out your social media marketing campaign and make sure that you're posting behind the scenes footage and interview footage of your cast and crew on a regular basis on the lead up to the release. That creates hype and excitement around the film. You want to make sure that you're hitting your niche audience, okay? That's what you need to do with independent film because you don't have that big Hollywood budget where they just plaster everything to do with the film in front of your face wherever you go. The key is really to target your niche audience directly. A good example of this would be Marcus Marku. So he knew that a large portion of his audience were Greek 
So he used guerrilla marketing tactics such as visiting the local Orthodox churches that he knew had large Greek communities. And he asked the priest to mention the film at the end of Sunday service and asked the congregation to take their family and friends to the screening. And much of the story took place in a fish and chip shop. So he'd go around to the local fish and chip shops and just tell them about the film. And he notified them when it was released. So it's about being creative with what you have available to you. And you can experiment. If one thing doesn't work, you know, stop doing that. Stop wasting your time and go and think of something else to do. Try something else. Be experimental. Be creative with it. I think try and enjoy it. Marketing doesn't have to be boring or an uphill struggle. You have a team of people that have helped you make that film work as a team. And think of, you know, you produced the film, right? That's only half of the work. The marketing is the other half. The marketing should not start when production stops. It should start once production begins. You can start getting people excited about the film then. Take the audience on the filmmaking journey with you. They then become invested in the film. They're waiting and they're excited to see what you have made and they become a fan. And these fans, they're then going to follow you onto your next project and your next project and your project after that. And they're going to tell their friends about you. That seems like a really great, like long-term strategy. So I'm, I'm making a documentary now. I'm starting to grow an audience, like specifically within that niche. And I'm kind of thinking it'll help long-term, like not only on the potential funding of the first one, but if I want to make other ones within the same genre that really apply to that crowd, is that kind of how you see the big idea of using like social media? Yeah, definitely. It's about building a community. I've been working on a project now, which began as an idea for filmmakers independent filmmakers to market themselves um, because they have to compete with those Hollywood studio marketing budgets it was just a seed of an idea a couple of years ago it was a website that independent filmmakers could join and it linked up with social media accounts but it has snowballed now into a video streaming and social media platform I've called it Misfits and it gives fair commission to content creators it distributes only original content And a lot of the content that gets funded is chosen by the audience. So it democratizes talent discovery and production. So it eliminates that situation that we have so frequently nowadays, where it's just producers and investors who are deciding what content gets produced. So that that really excites me a lot because I'm in North Carolina, so I'm not in LA or New York, so I'm not surrounded by people in the industry. How does a platform like that, and maybe where we're generally headed as creatives, how can people start to use what's available online to kind of find their niches, both in terms of business relationships and, of course, like social media, like an audience as well? How do you kind of think about some of those things? Yeah, sure. So Misfix will connect you to other content creators and audience members. So you're able to find work building your professional profile whilst building your audience. Um, You communicate using friendlies, which are video messages. And one huge bonus for content creators is the feedback and voting system because it gives content creators guidance on what the greater audience like about their work, but it also helps them to find their niche audience. For content creators wanting to build a community, it's a really powerful and fun tool. And it's also got that business potential built right into it. Facebook groups for filmmakers are a great way to network. Other creatives are always happy to help one another out because it is, you know, such a challenging career and it can be really lonely as well. 
get to know these people, take their contact details, and then start up a WhatsApp group so that you have your own community. You need to foster these relationships though. You know, make them long-term, check in with these people, help them out with their projects and be a cheerleader for their work. It really is about building a community around you. Um, becoming a member of a professional body is a good way as well. So I'm a member of the Writers Guild of Great Britain and they're always putting on events and screenings. You can meet other members in a really relaxed environment. People just going out for the evening to enjoy themselves and to absorb content or enjoy a film or a talk, a seminar, something like that. Um, it's a good way to make friends and just have casual conversations about the things that you love. So don't treat it like a business deal or an interaction. Just treat it like you're making friends. In terms of building a community for your project, again, social media is a really great place to start. Um, groups that have already been set up and really adding value to those groups and answering questions and becoming an active member. Again, holding your own events and screenings are a really good one because they're very social and everybody's having a good time. You need to communicate with your community as well and be patient, I think, is key because these things take a while. So you've mentioned a few examples already of past guests you've had. Are there some people that either have been on your show or creatives that you're following who do a really great job of either their social media or a Kickstarter, anything like that people can kind of look to for inspiration? One of my guests, John Cleave, so he's built an audience for his environmental B Corp streaming platform. It's called New Yonder. It's a really beautiful streaming platform. Um, he could be a really good case study for this if you want to take a look at him and his online channels. And Marcus Marco, he writes about his about self-distributing his film on his blog. And that's really interesting. Just got a couple more. So people can find you either at Film Finance Podcast or at Amber underscore R underscore Williams. Um, tell me about the decision to also, you've, you kind of also started your own company, Worthy Bird Productions. Tell me about some of your decisions in um, kind of starting that own, your own company that way. Worthy Bird Productions was created when I published my children's book. And now it stands as a media house for screenwriting, podcasting, and misfits. It seems like kind of everything you're doing and and everything I've kind of seen as well, that all creatives need to be somewhat creative plus the entrepreneurial minded. Um, do you have any thoughts on that or anything else you'd like to share about those who haven't really considered that other half of the job that's very important? It's not enough to just create. So you have to meet people, work with others, be out of your comfort zone, and you do need to market yourself. It takes commitment and it takes mental strength to stay motivated because it takes time and it's easy to get disheartened when things aren't going your way. That's when a good support system comes in. People around you who really love you and believe in you. I have a partner who's a games designer. He has a company called 512 Games and we spend a lot of time bouncing ideas off one another. But he's really been my rock, especially in the last year. And we support one another when work is difficult. And you really need that because it is such a challenging career. But if you're absolutely determined and willing to try your best and have the energy, then go for it. An entrepreneurial spirit does come naturally to me. Both my parents were entrepreneurs. My mum owned a fancy dress shop in Brighton for 20 years. But that doesn't mean that it's easy by any stretch. I, I still find it difficult at times. Um, and I can be very impatient. But 
the ability to work for yourself doing what you love is worth it I think I also think it's important to look back and appreciate all the hard work that you have done so perhaps look back at the end of the year and acknowledge all your achievements and celebrate yourself and how far you have come I think this will help to keep you motivated Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. If it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.